In discussing gender, Dr. Diane Ehrenstaff from the University of California, uh, San Francisco, uh, said that we need a gender revolution. And she also talked about different categories that she had. I don't know if she conjured them up or if it was a group of people, whatever, that included gender hybrids. And one of them was a gender hybrid minotaur. What is a minotaur? And how does it apply to this conversation? Stay tuned and you will find out. Dr. Diane Irenseft, who is a psychologist and professor at the University of California, San Francisco, yesterday we found out that she uh, she works with gender issues with children and that she proclaims that she believes there needs to be a gender revolution. And one of the last things I talked about yesterday, because this is a little continuation here, is that I'm not sure what a gender revolution looks like. What uh, there are, there are a very minuscule, small percentage of children that are uh, born with gender issues in terms of their physical uh, anatomy and their sexual organs. Uh, I don't know how you make a revolution out of that. And, uh, but she categorizes a number of categories that, that she says uh, that are in the transgender discussion. And she talks about transgender children. I, I'm reading the list here. Uh, uh, gender expressive children, gender fluid children, gender non-binary children. And then she talks about uh, gender hybrids, half boy and half girl um, gender by season, in the school year they're a girl, in the summer they're a boy, um, uh, gender by location, uh, at home they're a boy, and at grandma's they're a girl. And all of these things that uh, have been conjured up out of thought processes or probably even discussions of people that are uh, uh, studying children and studying the complexity of issues with gender, which everyone ought to concede that there are uh, many things about uh, reinforcing the strength of a child as a boy or a girl that, uh, that are complex and that all of our lives we are working to help them with this. Um, it is admitted by everyone because that the earth and how it operates is flawed uh, from a Christian viewpoint. We would say it's flawed because of the fall and that it affected every part of the earth. We've already pointed out that uh, Genesis chapter 3 includes a curse on the man, a curse on the woman, and a curse on the earth that were the product or result of the fall. So however you want to read that, if you're a non-Bible believer, Nevertheless, it is true that the earth is found in its existential state, not in its essential state. What that means is it exists different than it essentially, if it was essence, if it was perfect, just its perfect essence, it exists different than that. 
And, um, and so we find this in, these, in this discussion where everybody that's born is not born perfectly. There is a big discussion. Uh, you can listen to yesterday's, if you'd like to, uh, episode of All Things Apostolic about the percentage of people in society. However, everybody pretty well, I think, concedes that um, uh, people that are clearly born transgender anatomically is uh, about, at the most, 0.02%, a very minuscule percentage of the population. Now, we also quoted someone who said it was 1.7%. We went through all that yesterday. That is a big umbrella that includes things that others would say there's no way that is included as a transgender issue. It may be a sexual issue. It may be some other childhood issue, but it's not a transgender issue. But that's how it conflated into 1.7%. Others had estimated there was 3%. The, 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 the little uh, research I did on the 3% re- did not reveal that anybody had a source. It was just an estimate that somebody made, uh, which is even, even more conflated. Uh, but the 0.02% is not conflated, and it is not uh, uh, reduced beyond what studies have shown. This, is, this shows that there is a fallen world in which we live. I want to repeat, the fact that children have sexual issues uh, is nothing new. The fact that human beings have sexual issues is nothing new. However, the concept that all of this can be changed in transgender studies of taking little children and submitting them to um, uh, ingestion or injection of hormones uh, that are different than what their anatomical sex is and proposing the idea that they can change them from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy is, uh, we believe, a false and horrifying conclusion that is radically incorrect. And I think everybody knows that. I know that the people who have these surgeries where they cut off their breasts or they cut off their um, uh, reproductive organs um, or try to create reproductive organs, I know that from many testimonies that when that happens, they know that that did not make them a girl or a boy, whichever they were, um, had feelings about wanting to become. They know that. And uh, there have been many, many people, doctors, uh, John Hopkins uh, Hospital, on and on, people who have verified that you could have a, a boy that was uh, had many feminine characteristics or a girl that had... Uh, masculine characteristics, but that doesn't make a masculine girl a boy or a feminine boy a girl. It just means that they um, they have many feminine characteristics. Uh, so there's the whole discussion of are those environmentally induced or uh, do those come naturally? Probably the answer is it comes both. Uh, and so uh, in this list, though, uh, that Dr. Ernsaf put together or a group put together, somebody put together, and they're attributed to her. Um, the idea that a person is half boy and half girl, the idea that at one season they're a boy and the other season they're a girl, uh, look, the world's been going on a long time. And um, uh, I'm a pretty old man, 
and uh, all the girls I grew up with, I never saw them become a boy in the summer um, or vice versa. And you didn't either. So at, at very best, these are exaggerated uh, categories. I mean, so a boy picks up a doll. Ah, we need to cut off his sex organs because he's, he's, got, he's got tendencies. And people are making these kind of decisions that are maybe not quite that exaggerated, but they're exaggerated. And when you've got fourth grade teachers telling kids that they need to consider transgender surgery, you got problems. And when you've got school teachers who are not doctors at, by any stretch of the imagination that are doing these things in school, and then you've got people who are fighting about the uh, lunacy of not letting parents know that they're recommending to their child gender surgery, which if that was my child, I could just tell you there would be really big problems in that school. So this is, um, uh, this is some of, of what is, is going on about us. And so we at least need to take an objective look at all this. Now, let me say this. There are, I am sure, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure that there are people that are doing these things who are deadly serious and are believers that believe that this is what that believe they're actually helping these kids instead of chopping them up and and marring them forever. Many of which are now testifying, but people are trying to shut them up, which is another. I mean, where is this open discussion at that we value so much in our society? But these 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 are now young adults, and they're looking back and saying some of them are actually bringing lawsuits, saying that I was I was encouraged to do this, to have this surgery. Now, and some of the girls are saying, now, I'll never be able to have a baby, probably. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll never be able to nurse my baby. I'll never, but, but these decisions were made when they were children uh, or very, very young uh, teenagers. So when we look at all of this, it's, um, it's, um, it's horrifying to see what is taking place. And it is very concerning when you have people in uh, high educational places saying that I believe we need a gender revolution. What kind of talk is that? What kind of academic talk is that? We need a gender revolution. So one of the things that they say is that some of these uh, uh, kids are gender uh, minotaurs uh, or minotaurs, however you want to say it, and um, uh, that they're half boy, half girl. Okay, so where does the word minotaur come from, and what does it mean? Well, the Greek uh, it, it it's mino plus taros. Uh, or taros maybe in Greek, but um, taros is a bull, like a, 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 an animal, cattle, a bull. And uh, where Minotaur came from is that in classical mythology, a monster which was half man and half bull. I mean, in the in the story, uh, it's a monster. I'm not just calling it that. It's a monster. 
And the Minotaur was born, this is a mythological Greek story, was born to the queen of Crete, the island in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and her name was, uh, English here again, Pasiphae, uh, after she mated with a sacred bull. She mated with a sacred bull, the result of which was a monster with the head of a bull and the body of a man. And it was such a monster that the king uh, Minos, Minotaur, Minos, to hide his shame that his wife had done this, had one of his people to construct a labyrinth, a maze, in which to hide the monster. So in the maze, it was down under, and it was like uh, uh, impossible to find somebody in there. And then the king forced the Athenians, the people of the city of Athens, to send as a tribute 14 young people, seven men, seven women, to be locked in the labyrinth for the monster to find and to eat so that uh, he would be fed. So there are people feeding the monster. To stop the slaughter, the hero, whose name was Thesis or Thasus, volunteered to enter the labyrinth and fight the Minotaur. And on the instructions of the king's daughter, Thasus uh, brought with him a ball of thread, which he unwound as he went through uh, the labyrinth, because you'd never find your way out, until he found the Minotaur and he killed it and then used the thread to find the way out of the maze or the labyrinth. And so uh, all of this was done at the command of, of the king. And so by association, a minotaur became a complex of, uh, or intricate situation. Uh, so sometimes the word is used in a way that's not, a gender discussion, but this is the origin of the word. Now, somebody says, well, who would even imagine that there would be this kind of situation where uh, a woman and a bull would, would mate? Uh, well, if you look in the Old Testament, you will find that, that uh, bestiality was not unusual, and the Lord warned Israel to stay uh, away from the gods of the Canaanites, because he said all of these things are part of what they do. They, some of them they do in worship. Some of them they just do in orgies. But all of, all of, these, uh, all of these are characteristic of people who do not have um, Yeshua Adonai or Elohim in the Old Testament. They do not have him as their God. They do not have a moral God in the sense of a biblical morality. And so this is, this is all part and parcel of this discussion. And uh, so when she says that there would be a hybrid minotaur, uh, just think about that. Just think about uh, the fact that it's so far out 
from reality in any human experience in billions and billions of people who have been born. There's still God made a man, God made a woman, and that's the way it is.